topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Welcome to Success Secrets Exposed with Sally A. Curtis, where we share stories of challenge, success, and inspiration, along with practical tips and strategies to move you forward to your success. And now, here is your host, Sally A. Curtis. Good evening, good morning, and good day to you all, and welcome to another episode of Success Secrets Exposed. Super excited to be sharing with you yet again today. I've uh, got a great guest in Cheryl Palouf, who's going to be sharing with us about profitable podcasting um, and an abundance of information, and super, super great at taking the complex and making it really simple for those uh, that overcomplicate things like we, many of us do. So for those that are new to the show, I'm a content repurposing whiz. I work with brilliant individuals to help them leverage their content to engage their audience through the power of visually emotive content. We're actually best known for turning books into two years worth of social media posts. And what we do is we help you connect, stand out, so your message is heard and that you get to reach more people easily. But as I said, our guest today is Cheryl Palouf. We're going to be talking about profitable podcasting. And the concept we're going to be sharing is how to interview thought leaders, turn them into clients, referrals, and also speaking engagements. Cheryl um, has turned her professional media experience into an absolutely thriving virtual video production agency and consultancy. She's an entrepreneur and an international speaker and has broadcast over 20,000 hours of live television in her 25-year career. So you are definitely in the right place at the right time today. So without any further ado, please help me welcome to the show, Cheryl Palouf. Hi, Sally. So great to be with you. Thank you so much for joining us. I feel very, very privileged. Um, as I shared with you as you were coming on, I've been deep diving into your uh, YouTube content, which I know is um, you know, going to be expanding and uh, future-proofing even further. But I really love um, the way in which you take what everyone, and me, this is the label for me, everyone seems to make overcomplicated and you turn it and you make it super simple. So I'm really thrilled to be sharing with you today. Thank you. Oh, wonderful. I'm so glad that you've been binge watching there. And I'm proud to say that that YouTube channel has over 2.5 million video views so far. And I hope to continue to add to that with this, really this, this thought leadership around podcasting. I know that's what we're going to talk about a lot today, but I think that yeah. podcasting is just one system among a, a few others that really help us to scale businesses, right? That's how mm. I see podcasting. So I have a bit of a different take on it and mm. I'm happy to share that with you today. Yeah, and I love that. And I've just, um, if you've seen me scribble, because I'm a prolific note taker, I've just written down that you're the first person and only person that's ever called it a system versus a product. Um, uh, so that um, that 
already makes me incredibly excited. So thank you. And <laughs> um, can I ask you to share and elaborate a little bit more on your backstory of sort of where you came from, from that media perspective to why you're sort of doing what you're doing now? Sure. I started broadcasting when I was 18 years old and I worked my way up to national broadcasting before I was 30. I spent 25 years in the industry, 17 of them on the national stage. And as you indicated in the introduction, mm. we actually did the math one day and figured <laughs> out that it was over 20,000 hours of broadcasting. I was even surprised. Mm. But having said that, I think that what I really did was I took that experience and I let it permeate my thoughts and ideas and my point of view about digital about social, about business, about entrepreneurship in many ways. And I think it not only did it help, um, you know, permeate what I think about it, but really the, the learning and the teaching that came from that, from being in the media, really helped me to see things in a slightly different way. Let me paint a picture for you. In the broadcasting world, you are in a position where it's usually a small crew of people. I wouldn't say necessarily skeletal, but yeah. often a small group of people who are responsible for producing a large volume of content and mm. doing it to deadline and doing it consistently. I know in my case, we had 11 different feeds at one point across the country where we were feeding different feeds with different levels of content on a 24 seven basis. So Gosh. you get very good at systems as a result yeah. of that, because yeah. you have to do that in order to survive, you know, to be able to do the thing that you've been employed to do. So I think that it's really this idea of systems that has bubbled up for me in the last mm. years and thinking about podcasting in that way. Yeah. And I think that's um, even just the reference of, you know, the 11 feeds. I mean, it's um, when we when we think as entrepreneurs of our social media feeds, let alone the feeds that, and the production that can that we can overcomplicate in everything then that we do. It's no wonder that it becomes this, you know, almost full time um, Franken business uh, thing if we haven't systemized it. And I think we've I've definitely experienced that Um um, but when you get that level of systems in, and I'm still, you know, I'm always wanting to improve systems. When you get that level of systems in, you actually gain, gain back the lifestyle, which is often the reason you actually started your own business. But, you it, you know, the Franken business uh, crops up in the middle there somewhere. Yes, that's so yeah. true. I think it's a common experience, especially for, let's say, coaches, consultants, mm -hmm people who are packaging their intellectual property into programs, courses, memberships, masterminds, they're mm -hmm. in the knowledge space. And it can easily happen because when you first start out, you really are doing all of the jobs. You know, there's a certain level of bootstrapping that happens at that point. And I think that it can easily be derailed or you can be easily derailed into going to a place where you're busy for the sake of being busy. Yes. And it's it's really important to be able to steer you back and say, let's get focused on simplifying this and going back to basics to some degree and really thinking mm. about the business side of this. How are you leveraging what you're doing for business building activities? Mm. One of the things that I like to remind people, and this has been my experience and this has been 
helpful for people that I've worked with as well is speaking. And this is evidence of it right here, right? We are speaking. I'm speaking on your show. You speak on other people's shows. It is really about, you need to talk to more people. You need Mm. to be talking to more people publicly, privately, in just getting to know you type calls, connection calls, discovery calls, sales calls, whatever, but always be talking to people. Mm-hmm. And do you find, and I, I'm sort of having a slight giggle here because this is one of my soapbox moments and I get really ranty, so I'm going to cut it back real quick. But do you find people get so stuck in the marketing that they forget about the business development elements? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. That is the problem. Yeah, absolutely. Although I don't think that it's it's not anyone's fault, really. I no. mean, I think that we live in a space, especially with social media and the, the decade that we you know, have come out of is that people are bombarded with ads, right? They're, they've yeah. been bombarded with, you need this shiny object. You need this too. You need this SaaS tool. You need this. And they're all amazing and they all do wonderful yeah. things. And then people, you know, they get drawn in and then they go down a rabbit hole and they mm. spend the next eight months trying to do, I don't know, it could be, I'm trying to build this quiz funnel. Mm. <laughs> when that might be a great thing, but maybe it's not for now. Maybe it's for later. Right now, you have to focus on the, the season that you're in. What season mm. are you in right now? If you're in a growth season, like if you haven't reached six figures, you're in the growth phase. You're in the initial early stage growth phase. And it's in many ways, hand-to-hand combat. You need yeah. to talk to more people. You have to have intelligence about who your client is. You probably don't have that dialed in yet talk to more people. Don't worry about the quiz funnel yet. You don't need that yet. You need to talk to more people. Yeah, brilliantly said. Love it. Thank you. Um, And one of the things that we um, have planned to talk about is the um, how traditional uh, podcasting is actually a broken strategy for online entrepreneurs. So I've sort of got a sneaking suspicion this sort of ties into the system side of things. So what are we generally doing wrong and what are some of the tips that we can sort of talk about in, in correcting that so we can focus more on this conversations with people and building the business versus just having another marketing thing that you know runs along the side or runs us well the truth is that anyone can create a podcast Mm. you can create a podcast on your phone there are amazing tools they're free i mean creating the podcast is not the problem Mm. the problem is that if you want to create a podcast and leverage it for business if you want Mm. to use it to generate your leads you want to use it to build your network you want to right. use it to elegantly sell your own products and services mm. if you want to use the podcast to do that that's what requires more thought what? and strategy around how are you going to do that so what mm. happens typically and why i think the model is broken in the traditional sense is that anyone can create a podcast but if you create a podcast and you, even if you, you know, do have a strategy of getting a sponsor, right. Or, um, inviting advertisers to be part of your show and they're going to give you advertising dollars to be part of your show, et cetera. That is a process whereby the sponsor or the advertiser is going to want to know that you have a X number of downloads and what, yes. what is the size of the audience? And because they want predictability about their investment in your show. So Mm. the trouble with that is that when you first start any show, you don't have the audience yet. 
You, yeah. that is something that builds over time and you have to be committed to the process and be very consistent and stick with it and keep doing it and rinsing and repeating for a period of time. Now, some people that time frame could be shorter and for others it's longer. I think the majority of people, it's a longer process, mm. a longer term strategy of building the audience. What happens is that people get, uh, they get, how shall I say this? But they, they, they fade, you know, the, yeah. the, the allure of it right. starts to wear. Yeah. It starts to wear off because it, it's work. And if mm. you're not seeing any short-term or at least medium-term ROI, you start to question, why am I even doing this? And yeah. then people fade away and they pod fade, right? They, they, yeah. they, they just stop doing their show because they're not seeing anything for it. That's the problem. So what yeah. we're saying is, Use podcasting and in a different way. You can still build your audience. That is going to be a long-term strategy. And over time, you will build. You will mm -hmm. have great guests and it will build and you could have sponsors and advertisers. But in the short to medium term, we want you to leverage it to build your network, meet mm -hmm. amazing people, build collaborations, joint ventures. Mm -hmm. You could certainly get clients. You can certainly get clients directly from your podcast. Yeah. Um, speaking engagements where you get invited to speak on other people's stages. Focus mm. on that part of it, the business development side of your podcast. Or sorry, use your podcast for business development activities mm. and then let the audience build naturally over time. Yeah, brilliant. And I think that's something from a general um, networking perspective. Um, if, if we go back to traditional networking, um, you've got those that go to a networking event and I call them the, you know, your business card ninjas that are, you know, quickly, you know, ninjaing all their business cards out. And then you've got people that are sort of tucked away in the corner, which are having a deep conversation with somebody and they're creating something. So they're creating that deeper relationship. They're building those relationships and potentially those joint ventures and collaborations that's certainly uh, the way in which I've always networked and but again you find people that go but I've been doing networking it doesn't work no one buys anything again we've got that we've got that upside down strategy as to you know why you're doing the thing that you're doing and I think from a my, in my experience from uh, podcasting, that ability to expand your network, to showcase clients, to showcase um, colleagues, uh, etc., has been such a great way, as you said, to expand that network, which then brings in uh, more opportunities. And from a business growth, a human growth and an evolution of your business, that's such a, uh, a streamlined way um, to do it if you have that goal in mind from the very beginning and understanding. It's also, I think, built on some level of reciprocity too. It's mm -hmm. this idea that you're not going into this new relationship trying to sell anybody anything. You're building that relationship off on a positive note of of giving, of 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 giving of gratitude, of reciprocity, mm. like these are all positive ways to start that relationship off. Not to mention the mm. fact that if you have, especially if you have high ticket products and services, mm. which is what I recommend that every person who is a coach or consultant, they should be starting with high ticket and then moving down as opposed to moving down and up, which is yeah. what we see. But yes, when you have high ticket products or services, reaching the people who are your ideal clients for those products and services could be more difficult because those maybe perhaps more affluent people or more educated people or whatever type of people it is you're looking to attract, you have to really look at it and say, are those people really scrolling on Facebook looking for an inspirational quote? 
Mm. No, <laughs> maybe, maybe. And if they are, that's great. But know your audience, know yeah. who it is that you're talking to. So especially with high ticket products and services, you really have to be clear about who are those people and what are their daily activities? Where are they hanging out? They could be on social media, but you might not be on the right social platform. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should be focusing more on LinkedIn than on TikTok. Yeah. If you have a better definition of who that person is. So it's important when you have high ticket products and services to really give that some thought. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I love that you've actually differentiated the difference between high tick, starting at high ticket and coming down because we do see so often from low up to high. But I'm going to ask you a question as, uh, as it relates to um, do you have um, any sort of tip, tips or three areas that people can look at? Again, this is something I always get on the soapbox about, so I'm going to get you to reference it. <laughs> Me and my audience will roll their eyes um, as it relates to helping them to define. If they're going to sort of focus on that high-ticket uh, scenario, what are the three things that they really need to know intimately about their audience to be able to then utilise that? Do you have any tips around that? Oh, I think you have to understand their behaviors. I think yeah. you have to understand what their natural, daily, in and out, daily behaviors are. Yeah. So if I think of, let's say, someone who I'm trying to, let's let's say it's a, my audience is it's a seven-figure business owner who has, you know, a team of 10 people. And if that were the person that I was trying to attract, then I would think, gee, where would they hang out? Yes, well, they're yeah. probably they're probably on LinkedIn. They yeah. probably have strong morning routines. These are uh, people that read and they read a lot and they also listen to podcasts. They're always looking for personal development. They're always working on themselves. They're probably working with a coach or some type of executive leader. You know, you have to kind of understand like what would be the daily activity or behaviors of that person and put mm. yourself in their shoes. That will help to determine a lot. Yeah. Another thing that I think uh, we have to know, and this is regardless of whether it's a, you know, high ticket, it doesn't matter what, yeah. is you have to understand what their needs are. Like what, where's the need and the opportunity for them? Like what's the opportunity mm. to help them and what is the need that they have that you can help them with, mm. you know? Um, and then I think the third thing is, how are you going to reach them? You know, mm -hmm. where can, how, by which means are you going to actually be able to start a relationship with that person? Yeah. You know, and that comes back to point one. If you know where they hang out, if you know what networking groups they participate in, then maybe you can show up at those places and make yourself known. So mm -hmm. those are three that come to my mind. Yeah, perfect. And something else that you touched on that I think is incredibly, incredibly relevant as it relates to podcasting and was my experience um, when I built uh, my business originally through using the Meetup platform, which I saw a lot of people try to duplicate and emulate, um, but they never stuck around long enough for it to actually, you know, work. Um, and I, um, I didn't think of that uh, as it related to a podcast, but that consistency element is so strong, and it's all 
always tickles me that um, you know I've I I thought of that long the long term you know first 12 months I'll do it this way next 12 months I'll do it like that then you know after that we'll do it like this so I I thought like that and but didn't realize it um and then when I was talking I remember talking to a, a couple of different uh, people that were wanting to sort of get out and do their sp- uh, we call it um, shout outs and those sorts of um um, workshoppy type things that they would just do it for three months but it didn't work um so is there a is there a really good I know, I know you talked about there's um some people do it quicker and some people do it over a longer period of time is there a sweet spot as it relates to consistency with podcasting if you've dialed in some of those um elements that you've talked about from a consistency of production and publishing yeah I like to recommend to do at least an episode per week. Yep. For a variety of reasons. One is yes, the consistency from a public perception and, you know, being able to to show and demonstrate that I'm here and I'm doing this consistently for their benefit. But I think we also have to realize that there's a huge benefit to you as the host to do it at least once per week. It's like going to the gym. How many of us have purchased gym memberships and we're really gung ho about the gym. And then all of a sudden we let through, you know, a week go by where we don't go to the gym and it's really easy to fall off the wagon. Next Mm. thing you know, you haven't been to the gym in six months. Mm. It's happened to everyone. So I think podcasting is a similar thing. You want to stay in it to win it, right? You want to be able to be consistent for your own benefit. It improves your your ability to interview and to um, and we, we teach people how to execute on this themselves like for people that are going to be producing their own podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a method where it's done in an hour per week. But mm-hmm. if that person is consistently doing it, they're improving their interviewing skills. We have a thing we call the five star interview. So they're improving that they're able to more readily produce the show and know where to click things are more familiar it's really easy to let you know three weeks go by and then when you come to come back in you you can't remember what was that thing I know it's easy but where is that thing again I can't really recall (laughs) so yeah yeah I think once per week is a good standard to stick by for your audience's benefit and also for your own yeah but if you really want to progress more quickly if you have goals of again you know growing your business from six to seven figures and you're installing the podcasting as a system by which to do that a marketing system to do that you can push and pull those levers however you see fit you could decide to do more episodes and in one season and fewer in the next it's totally up to you how you want to do it and that comes back to you have the opportunity to pull those levers uh, levers based on what you know your strategy is. So without a strategy, it's sort of very difficult to pull those levers because it's um, hope or, uh, or you know, almost that lottery, you know, as to what they're doing. Whereas when you're doing it consistency and you've got a clear strategy, it makes it, you can, um, there's, a, there's an understanding and a reason for it. I'll yeah. say, Sally, though, I do have a client, actually I have two clients who I'm producing for and mm. they have decided, and again, because we've worked that strategy out, they actually do it once every two weeks. Mm. I think that's acceptable so long as we make sure that we're staying consistent to that once every two week schedule. Because yeah. especially when you expand it out like that and you decide you're going to do it once every two weeks. Now, if you only miss one, even if you miss one week because you, you know, the schedule didn't align or whatever, 
it could be a month gap where there's no content. So you just have to be careful with that. So in some cases it could work to do once per once every two weeks, but for the most part, I would recommend that people do once a week, at least once a week, at least. Um, And you've also talked about uh, when we've spoken around the um, post-production and this is obviously where the system side of things coming in. So we've got the, you've got the system at the front end, so to speak, which is the, you know, what's your strategy as it relates to growing the business, which in itself would be a system because there's strategy and structure to that. Um, And then there's obviously production I'm imagining that needs to be systemized to help refine the ROI on these types of um, business development activities? I think the production is more about efficiency of time and energy, actually, rather than a direct tie to the ROI. Because the the return on investment is through the relationships that you're building, the Mm -hmm. calls that you're having and the discussions that you're having to help move the business along through collaborative efforts, strategic partnerships, directly selling your product and service to people. But the production side is more about efficiency of time and energy. And mm. and that's obviously a huge benefit too, yeah. to yeah. reduce that post-production time. We are obviously live right now. So I'm a big fan of doing things live because it cuts down on post-production. Mm. You know, that th- this is a great way to do that. And I subscribe to that. I think it's great. I've spent many, many years doing live television and there are ways and tools that you can use that would allow you through just clicking of your mouse to be able Mm. to add elements within a broadcast in real time as you either go live or as you record it in what what I would call a look live scenario. So when Mm. you're producing it, you're producing it as if it were going live so that the finished product is completed in its entirety the way that you intend for it to be and Mm -hmm. in the order of the elements that you intend for them to be so now Mm -hmm. you don't have as much post-production or production after the you know the recording or the or the live stream to do so that's where it can get very efficient i talk to people all the time and i'll ask especially people who are already doing a podcast and i'll say how long is it taking you to produce and I've had many, many different answers, but I would say generally people say anywhere from five to eight hours. Oh, wow. You know, so that's a lot. That's Mm. a lot in a 40 hour week. So um, although maybe, maybe most entrepreneurs are not working just 40 hours a week, but nonetheless, it's just this idea of efficiency. So if we can reduce that amount of, of post-production, now we can use that time to do other things like other business building activities. Yeah, brilliant. Um, And you talk also um, from an efficiency perspective. So we've talked about that production system, which is obviously starting with the end in mind. Um, Now, I just was hesitating because I can't remember whether I saw this on your website or whether it was part of our notes. You also talked about the repurposing element and you talked about video to audio, which is something that um, I've never done as a repurposing agency. It's not something that we do. Um, So I love the idea of that. What's the, um, I suppose, the benefits and the, the, the strategy around doing that? Well, I think the strategy is that people consume content in different modalities. Some people like to watch the video. Some people watch a video, but they're not really watching the video as much as they're listening to the audio from the video. 
So yes. depending on, again, behaviors and how they like to consume content, some people yes. might have your show on in the background and they're doing other things, but they're having an ear on it. Sometimes they do actually want to sit there with rapt attention and, and watch the, nice. the nonverbal cues of both people. Sometimes yes. it could be that there is something demonstrative happening on the screen where I'm you know, showing something, whether it be sharing screen or showing something physical on the screen. Mm. Uh, there's that piece of it, that video part of it. There's a lot of nonverbal communication that's going on. And I think it's more dynamic. People like mm. to see two people talking. I'm talking yeah. with my hands right now, which is always what <laughs> I do. Now, the audio side of it is, again, just thinking from a behavioral perspective, there are people who would prefer to listen to long form interviews in a podcast format because mm -hmm. they are in the car. They mm -hmm. are have their Apple CarPlay or whatever they're listening to their on their on their stereo. They are at the gym. They're running errands. They mm -hmm. are gardening. They you know, whatever the thing is that they're doing and they prefer to listen to it that way. So yeah. I think it's really understanding their behaviors. And I feel from just from a distribution perspective, why not, <laughs> right? Yeah. Why not leverage these channels, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, mm. Google Podcasts, um, iHeartRadio, um, mm. YouTube, LinkedIn, like name any of them. These are all distribution channels that are free to use, that you can mm. put your content on. So I say the more the merrier. Yeah, beautiful. So definitely from a podcasting perspective, do you uh, do much or advocate much for turning those into what I'm going to call audio snippets? Do you do much of, do you find much value in doing the audio snippets? I think there's value in turning any long form content or what I would call macro yeah. content into yeah. short form or micro content yeah. anytime you can, whether it be audio, video, and, you know, obviously shorts, shorts and, and vert, vertical short form video is hot. So taking any type of your content and, you know, obviously as a repurposing whiz that you know this, but it's yeah. taking any of those, those are just opportunities to be able to create snippets and cut down and find sound bites and be able to, yeah. you know, easy to consume, leverage yeah. and repurpose your content in any way, shape or that you can. So, but the only thing I would say about the audio snippets is that, Again, uh, typically, I think video snippets might work a little bit better yeah. than yeah. audio snippets because the audio snippet will just be an audiogram. Yes, yes. Uh, but so I think if I had a choice between choosing a snippet that had an audiogram and only having that as an option versus choosing the snippet that had two people talking, I would go for the more dynamic version. Yeah, and that, that's ex exactly my, I suppose, my feelings that come up with it uh, when I've seen the audio snippets. It's like, but there's nothing there because I'm visual. So I want to, I want to, you know, I watch, I want to want to engage in something. So I know whether I want to look at the longer, long, watch or uh, listen to the longer version, but I like to be able to experience more. And I think that becomes because of that, that visual element that we're so strong. Having well. said that though, Sally, I mean, if you have a, and I, I personally recommend and train my students to, to do both, right? I train mm. them to do on a video and then repurpose to audio. But like yeah. I said earlier, I mean, if you have an audio podcast and, and it is only in audio format, then use what you have, leverage yes. what the modality yeah. is that you've created it in. It's better than yeah, not. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with that um, as far as leverage, uh, leveraging, leverage everything and be consistent with that too. <laughs>
true. Very true. Um, so I'd love to, for you to sort of uh, deep dive a little bit more into how you really help um, the clients, especially as it relates to this system, and sort of give people a bit of an, um, a helicopter view of, of the opportunity of working with you and uh, what that would look like if you happy to do that too. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, the yeah. podcasting is really one of the three systems that I teach. So yeah. what I'm really teaching is how to grow a six-figure business and install mm. scalable systems to put you on the track towards seven. Mm. Podcasting is one of the systems under the umbrella of marketing, the marketing yeah. system. We happen to subscribe to using a podcast to do that because mm -hmm. most of the people that we're teaching, we're teaching them to create a scalable high ticket offer so mm -hmm. that they can grow. And, and as such, we find that the podcast is the best method by which mm -hmm. to attract the people for that, that offer. So there are yeah. three buckets that we work in. One is fulfillment. That's how are you fulfilling on how are you actually delivering the goods to your clients and to people who buy your offer. And that includes the building of the offer unto itself. So there's mm -hmm. the fulfillment offer side. There's the marketing side, which is where the podcast falls into. And then yeah. the last part of it, which is the part that often people miss is that you're not in business on your, unless you're making sales. <laughs> so yeah. the sales so, yeah. is a so component of that as well. Yeah. And those are the three, we call it um, scalable business that if mm. you can really get dialed in and install these systems in your business, you will be able to scale your six figure business to, you know, $50,000 a month, $85,000 a month in, in a way that is um, stress-free and yeah. simpler, frankly, it's just a yeah. simpler way to get to where you ultimately want to go. And I think, as you've said there, have understanding those the three buckets because it's not one bucket or two buckets. There is uh, traditionally the three buckets. It's as you've got the fulfillment, the marketing, and the sales. Uh, with with fulfillment and marketing, with a you know a wonky a wonky sales uh, bucket, then you know the the rest of it's not coming in. So by having the the, the three buckets there, it is creating firstly the sustainable business that then gives you the opportunity. Uh, to scale, um, having worked with a number of different people that are going through the scaling process, you can only scale if you're systemized, your systems are, uh, are the right systems that are functioning, because otherwise you end up scaling, and I'll go back to the Franken business, you end up scaling this business that's become a Frankenstein and, and it just grows and becomes more, more consuming and you uh, you miss out on yet more lifestyle. And as, as we talked about, many entrepreneurs work lots, uh, can't become an entrepreneur to have lifestyle, um, then something gets um, out of whack, which is that Frankenstein business, and it, it ends up becoming, you know, um, all all consuming, then it's coming back into wrangling that back down and then trying to scale again. But it's really comes down to what I'm going to call those the fundamentals of making sure you've got the, the strategy as it relates to the fundamentals so you can literally um, skyrocket. I would, uh, argue, I would argue that if you don't have systems in your business and you are increasing your revenue and you you know, say you are capable of, of reaching those levels, then you don't have a scalable business. You have a business on the path to burnout because yes. the problem that you're having is you're going to reach capacity. There 
are only 24 yeah. hours in the day. So yeah. what happens a lot in the, in the lead up to reaching six figures, most coaches and consultants are starting with done for you services, one-to-one mm. coaching, personal, you know, one-to-one type mm. of services that they're providing. And that's great. I think that's actually where you should start as you build up to the six figures. But what happens at that point when you mm. want to grow and you have your eyes set on, because to be honest with you, six figures is not the end goal. Yeah. <laughs> that's it's a rite of passage to get to where you really should be going. You need to be dreaming bigger because yeah. six figures is not enough. Mm. You know, six figures, it's not going to be long from now with six figures is going to be table stakes. I mean, that's just, yeah. you know, so I think there's a lot of emphasis on, you know, get to six figures and it's made to feel like the six figures is the ultimate it's goal. goal. Yeah. Not. Like, you yeah. have to get there, but you got to keep growing if you want to have the lifestyle, because that to your point earlier, that's the reason why most people got into these types of businesses because they have a vision of a lifestyle. It's not going to yes. happen on six figures. So yeah. the scaling part has to happen and, and you have to have systems in order to really make that. So you do not burn out and that you do yeah. have the time back. And, and it's exciting because that's, what you want. That's what you got into mm. this business for. You made it through the tough part. Now yes. you've got to invest in your business and you've got to get these systems installed. And now you get to breathe a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And that, um, that, that uh, I really love the, the burnout because that is, I suppose, the habitual uh, pattern um, that we can see and we do see um, and I've certainly experienced in sort of the 15 years at different at different times where I've just sort of gone oh it's enough um, because of um, not having systems in place and those sorts of things and I think that's probably why I get so excited about systems and like talking to systems because I'm almost that reformed smoker that did you know used to smoke and now I don't smoke I didn't have systems and now I do um, so I'm so passionate about um, the confidence and the ease um, and yes they um, in lots of cases need to be improved until you find the right solid sustainable system which is obviously what you're creating helping your clients create um, but you know that's um, that's where the where the you know almost the joy comes back and you fall back in love with your business because you've you're finally at the point uh, and you've got the right people to support you to get that that lifestyle business uh, back on track and those sorts of things so that's really exciting yes i agree and that's the reason that you probably got into business in the first place was because you wanted to have more freedom and to be able to spend more time with your family. And I know for, for, for me and for my husband, our son plays baseball and mm. at a high level, and he's also a hockey goalie and to be able to go to his games and to be able to mm. spend baseball, especially takes a lot of time as a parent to go and to the ball diamond and watch them. You know, there's, there's the warm up, there's the, the game itself. It takes a lot of time, but to be mm. able to have the freedom of a business that allows me to go to those games and, mm. And even sometimes I, I have been guilty of, you know, doing a little bit of work while I'm there, but because yeah. it's a lifestyle and it's a business that I've built in this way, I can have a call while I'm watching him practice. I've done mm. that. You know, he's been in a tournament and I've been on a call watching him and I think this is brilliant. I love this. <laughs> you know, I love what I've built here yeah, and I wish yeah. that for more people. I yes. want to be able to use my work to help people have better family lives, to be able to have more freedom and be able to spend more time with their with their family, you know, mm. and that's mm. my driving force behind all of this. 
Yeah, beautiful. Can we expand on that a little bit more? And then I'd love to invite you to sort of talk a little bit more about um, how people can get in contact with you. And you've also, um, in relation to the, the link that you provided today, but I'd love to, uh, if you can, just share an example, because you've talked about the picture and painted your picture of why you do it. What have been some of the transformations or case studies of some of the clients that you've worked with that have gone, from, you know, started with you, and then they've, they've got their, got to the point of their, the lifestyle business side of things well I mean I think of people that in many cases I talk to people who have aspirations or have had aspirations to do this for many years mm. it's not uncommon for me to talk to someone who has been wanting to launch a podcast for two years I have mm. two people that come to my mind who had thought of it for three years mm. and never actioned it so I love being able to help someone like that who, and there's various reasons why, you know, yeah. sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's just like actual fear of being on camera or being seen. Other times it's just, well, I'm preoccupied with other things and they're in the busy work of doing things that are actually not going to generate revenue. There are various yeah. reasons why this happens, but to be able to work with someone and build their confidence up and give them the ability and the tools and train and, and teach them how to utilize easy to use tools that allow mm. them to launch a podcast in 30 days. Mm. Right. Like that, that to me is something that, Oh man, that lights me up. So yeah. um, in fact, just before we got on this live, I'm talking to one of my clients who just launched her podcast yesterday. I think it was, yeah. Launched it yeah. yesterday. And I asked her about it. I mean, she's almost in tears, right? Because mm -hmm. she's been thinking and wanting to do this for so long. Mm. Um, I, I think of another one who launched her podcast and within, I think it was the second episode, she's in the health and wellness space, but within the second episode, she had Mind Valley reach out to her. Yeah. Mind Valley reached really? out to her and said, hey, we love what you're doing. <laughs> She's only done two episodes. We love what you're doing. Would you interview? I think it was their CEO or some higher up person within Mind Valley. Could you mm. interview this person? Now they have this arrangement. She's going to interview them in June. Yeah. I mean, to, magic of the network. Really about yeah. like relationships, it's access. Mm. Like, do you have to be able to now for her to be able to say, I'm connected to Mind Valley. It's like a legitimate mm. connection. I know somebody there now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's things like that, that really light me up on, yeah. on the, on the side of helping people with their offers too. I mean, helping someone find the clarity around their offer because they were, you know, selling or, or providing, you know, $10,000 worth of value for $27. Mm. And so helping them to see their value of what, the, what the value is of the thing that they're doing, they see things in a very different way. Yeah. And it's things like that, that really light me up personally, you know, to yeah. be able to help someone have that aha moment. And um, it, it's just what, what excites me. And I just love this type of work or for on the sales side of things to be able to give someone a script and say, you know, here's a better way of approaching this. And here's a script that you can use just fill mm. in the blanks, make it your own, but here's the script. Go and try that. You know, mm. um, these are people that maybe have never had that type of training on sales. So they're just kind of winging it. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah. it and winging it is a hope strategy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. You're hoping, yeah. No, you want to know definitively, like, 
you're not going to predictable. You're not going to be able to, you're not going to sell every a hundred percent. You shouldn't have a hundred percent conversion rate because then that would be indicative of the fact that you're, you're not priced right. Right. You're, you're priced too, too low. Um, but you want to be able to have like a really good solid conversion rate and, you know, 20% to 40%. That that's, mm. that's awesome. If you can, if you can get in that range, um, you're doing really well, but mm. you need to be talking to more people, but in the sales side, I think it's the scripting is, is, is transformative on the marketing side to be able to get people launched in 30 days and have a strategy that they know definitively who they're inviting. Um, and then yeah. also on the offer side, those realizations around how start with high ticket, start with high mm. ticket and have a five to $10,000 offer that's leveraged and that is scalable. That will help you grow to your seven figure range. Yeah, brilliant. And I'm just going to uh, make a, a note there in as part of this. When I said at the very beginning, um, Cheryl is absolutely awesome at but taking the complex to the uh, to the simple. Just listen to the last couple of minutes of how that's just been mapped out because it's a perfect demonstration of how it takes the uh, you take the complex to the very simple uh, with the uh, you talked about the thirty podcast in thirty days. That in itself is you know sounds like a much simpler process. Creating some scripts from a sales perspective and then understanding that the predictability of a business business when you know the numbers of people that you're able to speak to to then turn into conversions etc there as well so we have a few minutes left I'd love you to now invite and share with the audience um, how they can actually connect with you and what would happen next in that process we do a scalable systems call and it's with my team it's 15 minutes long so it's a short call but it's a powerful call because we're able to walk you through um, and identify whether you're ready for these scalable systems. Are you in that place? And what might those scalable systems be for you? What we like to do on those calls is to provide resources no matter what. So that's what I would recommend as a first step is to just spend 15 minutes, talk to my team, and they will ask you some questions to be able to to determine what are the resources you need for the moment that you're in right now. It's really about the season that you're in and determining what is that next step. It might mm. be talking to me, <laughs> right? It yeah. might be another thing. They are trained to be able to determine what is the resource that you need in this moment. It yeah. could be that you need an introduction to a person. You need this book. You need to talk to Cheryl. You need whatever it is. Mm. They're trained to be able to identify the stage that you're at. And are you does a scalable system make sense for you at this point? Right so now, that's yeah. really what that, that call is about. And we encourage people to, to book those. Brilliant. Thank you very much for sharing that. We've got the link um, up on the screen and we'll have this obviously posted when we, uh, through the social media channels and up on YouTube, et cetera, as well. So the best places to reach out with you and connect with you from a social media perspective sounds as though one certainly was LinkedIn for us. Where else? I, I love LinkedIn. It's really yeah. grown on me. I wasn't always a LinkedIn person, but I'm loving LinkedIn. I really yeah. love it. So LinkedIn is great. The The advantage of having a name like Cheryl Pluff, a French Canadian name like Cheryl Pluff, meant that 10 years ago, Cheryl Pluff was available on all the platforms. Yeah. So it was easy. <laughs> so you can find me at Cheryl Pluff pretty much everywhere. Uh, yeah. But I, I love Instagram. I love LinkedIn is probably my number one, Facebook as well. 
and email, you know, you can just uh, send me an email, Cheryl at CherylPluff.com and I'd be happy to send you in the direction of what you need. Yeah. And if you want some fabulous resources, and as you've gathered at the very beginning of the show, I've been going down a fabulous rabbit warren, the best sort ever of um, um, binging on some um, great snippets that uh, Cheryl does on her YouTube channel. Um, and I really, really loved the uh, back uh, behind the scenes walkthrough of where you actually started when you were doing the the the, the TV episodes and then uh, then your, your, you know, your uh, studio, etc. at home. And again, and having worked with so many speakers and know the complexity of their, you know, production setup, and then seeing your beautiful, simple, uh, simple one um, again, just a testament to how you make everything super simple for everybody to be super successful. So, um, thank you very, very much. Any closing words from you um, before we wind the show up? No, I I love conversations like this. This is something that I could speak about for hours. I, I mean, I absolutely love it. And I think that this is, these are the parting words is, is if, if you're passionate about what you do and you know that you can really make an impact in someone's life, doing what you love, we just be thinking about thinking about how you can grow that because it's a disservice to the people who you can serve. If you don't sort out systems in order for you to scale and grow and be able to impact more people. So think about that. Oh, just really, make it's true. It is a disservice to other people if yeah. you hold that back. If you're the person who's holding all of the, you know, the cards close to the vest and mm. you're not able to be just because you are maybe afraid of technology or mm. you don't want to be seen on camera or, you know, really take a step back and say to yourself, but wouldn't it be worth it? to find solutions around those things so that I can impact more people with the good work that I do that I know is in my heart, that I know that I'm being called to do. And I think that's why a lot of people go into these spaces because there's an inner knowing, there is a calling, there's an energy source that's calling you to do this work. So you owe it to yourself to find solutions to be able to scale your business. Yeah, couldn't agree more. For those that are on their quest, that have found their quest and know what it is. Well, the world needs you right now. Yeah. Agreed. Brilliant. Thank you very, very much for sharing so much of your wisdom with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. So please do connect with Cheryl. Um, check out her, the YouTube channel. Um, make a 15-minute uh, call with her team. Find out more um, because the success is in your hands and here's a great person to help you simplify that success and elevate so we can get you out to the world more often. Thank you very, very much. Take care, everyone. See you again next week on another episode of Success Secrets Exposed. Take care. Bye. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining us, and I trust that you got some inspirational tips to move you forward. You can find this episode along with many more on your favorite streaming platform such as iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, and more. See you next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time for more Success Secrets Exposed with Sally A. Curtis.